Welcome back to another edition of the Hooper's Almanac. On today's episode, Mitch and I are going to be venting. Uh, We're in panic mode. Both of us are. Mitch's Boston Celtics have fallen from the first overall seed in the NBA, first in the Eastern Conference to third in the Eastern Conference. My Denver Nuggets still have the number one slot, but definitely hit a rough patch as well. I know a few weeks ago, Mitch and I were we're hoping for a Nuggets Celtics finals and we could hopefully make a trip together. Uh, we're definitely worried about the, the possibility of that now. So we're going to be sharing our thoughts, probably irrational thoughts on both of our teams. Uh, and we're also going to welcome back brother and friend of the show, Evan Sell, to talk about one of the most exciting teams in the NBA, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They've made their way into the playoff picture right now uh, at recording their eighth in the Western Conference. Um, Evan's the biggest Thunder fan I know, so really looking forward to talking everything with him and also specifically SGA's all-star and all-NBA potential this year, just given his great performance. So lots to come on today's episode. Before we get going, let's bring in our friends from Green Top. We are back. We got the brothers on. I'm the ugly stepbrother here on the pod. The third wheel. <laughs> Evan Sell joins us. Mitch, of course, as always. How are you gentlemen doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Uh, you got to be nice to yourself, Aaron. I think we're all <laughs> equally attractive here. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to, to get on the pod. And first time talking about the Thunder all year, which is deserving. I feel like I think we talked about them last year. It's kind of yeah. a pity segment, but this year feels earned. <laughs> I was gonna say that that was it was much earlier in the year last year. We were taking right. we were taking dumps on Darius Baisley's grave, and now he's gone. So now, now we don't have, now we don't have to worry about that. Um, also, you both are drinking wine tonight. I don't know how I feel about that. That's just we're yeah, doing left out. I, I am sophisticated. It's a sophisticated podcast here. Uh, yeah, apparently so. I am just gonna chug water. Um, <laughs> but Aaron's right. We we uh, it is panic mode for the. Uh, he mentioned it in the intro. Uh, the Celtics and the Nuggets are five and five in their last ten. Um, if anyone knows me, I'm a very pessimistic sports fan. Uh, Mizzou fandom really put that into perspective for me continuously growing up, um, and then I have just been one ever since. And I think it's rubbed off a little bit on Aaron, but I think he's definitely been the more optimist between the two of us, or just the realist between the two of us. Hmm. Um, but that still being said, there is still panic between the two of us. Um, people have been uh, calling on the Nuggets wondering what has happened to this team. It is basically just Jokic and a bunch of scrubs is what I've heard be called. However, I want to hear from Aaron. I want to let you rant for a little bit. What is your thought process? What are your feelings? Give me the full panic room, yelling into the corner perspective of Aaron Carter. Well, the Nuggets, as you said, they're five and five in their last 10. But if you cut that in half, which is important because at the <laughs> beginning of that, they won four in a row. So they've <laughs> lost five out of seven. And their two wins came against one of the teams that's one of the worst teams in the NBA, the Detroit Pistons, and a Brooklyn Nets team who has actually remained frisky. But that's a team that a championship contender should beat every time because they are shorthanded now after those big trades. And they just squeaked out that win by six points. Um, within that time, Nikola Jokic went from being like a minus 300 MVP favorite, albeit a controversial one. There were many people on the opposite side of that argument 
to a plus 250, plus 300 favorite. Like Embiid is completely swung in the opposite direction. He's now, uh, you know, securely in that number one spot, it seems, according to all the markets out there. Um, There have been clips online of Jokic's defense getting exposed, which you always love to see, uh, you know, random individual possessions that people love to nitpick that out. Um, I've seen bumpy waves for Jamal Murray. The bench has been really struggling. I think I was really critical of the Reggie Jackson signing um, back near the trade deadline. He really hasn't panned out. Thomas Bryant, which I was kind of surprised to, hasn't panned out as much as I would like. Um, I even saw Zeke Naji, who's really supposed to be like the end of the bench. Our third center is getting more and more minutes because Bryant hasn't been able to play very well. Um, so I'm getting really worried about the depth of this team. The defense has always been a concern. Uh, but when you lose to teams like Chicago, you lose to teams like San Antonio, you lose to Brooklyn, uh, you barely beat the Detroit and Brooklyn again later. Uh, it's definitely a worrisome stretch for Denver. I mean, I, I think they're pretty soundly in that first seed right now. Um, they're still three and a half games, four, four games up on two different teams there in the West, but, um, you hate to be going into the playoffs with this kind of momentum for sure. Um, so it's been, it's been tricky to watch the past few weeks for Denver. Yeah. I was going to say it's been, you've hit it right nail on the head. Tricky. I mean, Evan, how would you like have described it? I know you've been watching a few of their games, but how would you describe it? Yeah. I mean, you just, you look at the matchups like on paper and like you said, like uh, you look at like the Pistons matchup or you look up like a Spurs matchup and, you know, you look at the spread or you're just like, yeah, this game is, isn't going to be close. And then you look at the back, the box score in the third quarter, or you're watching the game. You're like, how is this even still a game or how are the nuggets losing right now? And it, and it's really hard to pinpoint a certain thing because um, I don't know. It does. It's not like Jokic's numbers are dropping at all. I don't, I don't see any significant <clears throat> um, drop in anybody's like play level. Um, so I mean, I'm going to say the same thing to you that I'm, that I'm going to say to Mitchell. My my whole point of this segment is to kind of talk you guys back up, keep you guys from drowning, <laughs> keep you guys I afloat. Um, what I will say about both of your teams uh, is that they've been in these positions before. I mean, they were both the one seeds for the majority of the season. Nuggets still are. Celtics still have a shot at it. I mean, kind of a long shot, but they still have a shot at getting that number two seed. Um and I mean, we saw what happened to the Celtics last year. They started off extremely, extremely slow, and then they just turned it around like that. I think um, it's a little worrisome that it happens, you know, right before the playoffs. But I think you'd rather it happen right now than right before the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Only thing I'm really worried about for the Nuggets is I need them to get to 52 wins for their over. Um, <laughs> That's but, also very important. Yeah. yeah. And then something you taught you harp on, Aaron, that you kind of pointed out to me was the the rotations with Mike Malone Um, still trying to figure out the closing lineup and it's it seems like it's just different and there's no like unity there's there's no gelling process which is exactly what you need for the playoffs for those final six minutes of the games and that's going to be really important for them to figure out here at the end I'm really glad you brought that up uh, because I feel like I'm taking crazy pills with this one like it just hasn't (laughs) changed I, I don't get it and when the Nuggets right now Mitch this is one of the reasons why we're panicking the Nuggets and the Celtics are the bottom two teams in the NBA in bench points per game. Well, you have one of the worst benches in the NBA. Why are you throwing out all five bench players? If you're a team like Indiana, who's number one in the league, uh, the Clippers have a super deep bench. Uh, it's just like, I don't even know why they have as many guys as they do, but clearly it's working for them because they have the third best 
bench in the NBA in terms of scoring. Um, it just doesn't make sense to you. It struggle. You struggle to get shot creation when Reggie Jackson is forced to be your shot creator. Um, and he wants to take a lot of shots and typically they're not good shots. Um, Bruce mm-hmm. Brown, as talented he is, is like the perfect guy to play off ball. Again, he's being forced to create more. So it just puts us in a really bad situation and makes it much harder for the starters, particularly Jokic puts more weight on his shoulders and Murray's shoulders, et cetera, to try to get that team back in the game or uh, regain the lead that they previously had. Um, so I really don't get that. He, he hasn't changed his stripes yet. I imagine he will not. Um, so that's something to watch in the playoffs where they play a smarter coach. I'm thinking Monty Williams. I'm thinking Steve Kerr. Uh, that could definitely run into run into some problems for Denver. Because here's my thing. Can we figure out who the playoff rotation is? And one, will Mike Malone stick to those eight or nine guys? Because we've seen Bud do this in the past. We've seen Kerr do it in the past. And it's come back to bite him in games. But honestly, these guys are playing 10 or 10, 11, 12 guys, and it's it's hard to find that chemistry whenever you're playing that. Now, I know foul trouble is a thing, and so you're going to have to deal with that every now and then in playoff games. But I think you're right. Whenever you're still struggling to find bench scoring with even just you're trying to find it with the rotations you do have and you're struggling to find a good rotation, that's, that's going to still translate over into the playoffs. How can you change that? And so you brought up a great point. Celtics and the Nuggets are both in that bottom two in bench scoring bothers the bejesus out of me uh, but it still doesn't change the fact that th- that is something that both of our coaches need to figure out by the end of the year and so or it hopefully as we come down to the end of the season they start shortening that rotation so that way we can get a good feel for what they are going to be doing yeah um i mean i'm just looking at like when you think about the headliners this whole anti-jokic mvp thing i think is stupid like i i don't think he's necessarily a clear-cut favorite I was shocked when he was actually being like mentioned as the favorite for this year's MVP, just purely off of that precedent of not many folks win three in a row, uh, especially if you haven't won a title. Like I totally agree with that narrative, but I don't understand the complete flip. All of a sudden the Nuggets lose like two, three games and he's putting up like 37, 20 and 11 and (laughs) he's not the MVP because Embiid's playing really well too. Like it doesn't take anything away from Embiid. I don't get that. And I think the starters have played really well. That's the one shining light in this like the light at the end of the tunnel why i'm not worried is jamal i think has still played really well like he had an awesome february i really like what i've seen from michael porter jr i don't know if you guys have noticed noticed it recently but he just seems a lot more physical at the rim which is great like he's always been a great three-point shooter he stayed healthy for most of the year knock on wood uh as we all know that's a risky proposition but like the physicality (laughs) is what i'm really excited about and he's not a complete aloof on defense so that could be a huge swing piece for us because it's a possibility that he's just even getting to his potential peak of this year. And if that's the case, then, uh, you know, all this might be a moot point. Yeah. Like two things on that. First on Michael Porter Jr. Like um, I've definitely noticed, like you said, like a shift in at least like his approach. Like he's not, it seemed he was just so timid and maybe it's because he knew he was playing hurt or like tweaked or something, but, maybe this is a sign that he's finally feeling confident in his body because yeah, you're right. Like defensively, it was so hard to watch for the longest time. And mostly because I just don't even think he was engaged. Um, And then he probably realized that that's how I'm going to get my minutes in the NBA. you know, I'm not as good as the top tier scorers, even though I have a great scoring ability, I need to stay on the floor through my defense. Um, So hopefully Mike Malone got that through to his head because he seemed to be pretty stubborn about it or there seemed to be some tension there, but, 
um, that's a great sign, like you said. And like you said, like I was looking at Jamal Murray's numbers today, just uh, post All Star break, and I was expecting to see a big drop just due to the to the recent losses. I'm like, well, it's got to be one of the top guys, and it's not. I mean, he's shooting really well from three. He's still mm-hmm. creating. So, um, yeah, I think you're right about that being, um, you know, a high point going into the end of the year and in the postseason. And then as far as the Jokic thing goes, um, yeah, I don't. I, it, it seems to be like this, like you said, like this huge wave of anti-Jokic like propaganda when it's just like, thanks, Perk. Yeah, like Jokic <laughs> just like, like just statistically is still playing amazing and just like slightly not as good as he was, you know, a month ago or two months ago. And Embiid is still playing really, really well. And like if Jokic makes one or two of those game winners, he has a chance that nobody talks about it like this. And so like I, this whole thing shouldn't be like. The, the crux of it shouldn't be these like yeah. game winning shots. I mean, he's, he's the reason they're still in these games. It's not like he's had horrible games and then is like calling for the ball and like ball hogging. It's, mm-hmm. it's none of that. So I don't understand it. I understand why Embiid is, is the MVP favorite, but I don't understand why there's this huge, like this shift. I don't get yeah. that. Yeah, It's as a guy who loves basketball history, Mitch, I love your opinion on this too, but it feels like we're going into just a new era of MVP and award culture in general, especially in the NBA though, where like, I don't know, the NFL Twitter isn't as, uh, it, it's not the same as NBA Twitter in my opinion. Yeah, you're there, right. You're there's right. a different thing about it and it can get really toxic and really opinionated and really siloed mm. really quick on the NBA. And especially when you're like, they're you're seeing clips of individual plays and that shapes an yeah. entire narrative or one matchup, for example, between Embiid and Jokic when Jokic actually wasn't guarding Embiid basically the whole game. And the whole narrative is Embiid just dropped 40 on Jokic. They dominated Denver. Why, right. why, why is he not being talked about as MVP favorite? Like if you look at those numbers, uh, Jokic guarded him like under 20% of the game. Right. So like that is based again, like it's just false data that people are using to sway their opinions. And I'm sure the smart people, the smart MVP voters who take this seriously are digging into that stuff. But uh, I think the public does have a lot of sway when it comes to this. It is just so narrative driven and it makes me care about it less and less. And I'm sure Jokic doesn't care at this point. It doesn't seem like he never cared, but right. So here's the thing I'll say, you talked about it a little bit. There is this shift in there. It's always been the thing. It's like in the NBA, it's always about, okay, whose next turn is it to get the MVP? NFL has never been like that. It's basically in the NFL. It's like, okay, who's been the best player this year? The NBA, and it's kind of, it's starting to shift a little bit towards what the NBA does in the NFL, but the NBA is basically, okay, this guy's won it a fair amount of times. Whose turn is it next? Um, history. You want me to, uh, 92, 93, Charles Barkley won the MVP on the Phoenix Suns. There was still another guy named Michael Jordan who was still in the league at that point. I feel like he was in, a lot of people will say that Michael Jordan had the better year, but Charles Barkley just deserved it that year. Uh, the other year is Carl Malone uh, when he in 96, 97. Again, a better people will just say it was finally Malone's time. He is, if anyone's going to, if anyone deserved it from the 90s, it was, should have been Malone, but he also, people like to remember his playoff record, who is in, who's the 90s version of James Harden. So it's hard to like say that. And then you moving forward, you had the, uh, the Nash year when he won it, people just felt like he deserved it. It's because he transformed that entire Suns team. Same thing with Dirk, although Dirk was on that 62 win Mavs team who ended up losing the first round. You had the Harden when it, whenever he finally won it after being second place to Curry and then Westbrook. And then again, you have it with um, 
wait, and then no, and that's that's basically the last one I had in mind. But it feels like it's going to happen this year with Embiid. It feels like we have this. Okay, it's finally Embiid's turn to finally win an MVP. And so, as much as people want to go um, towards the oh my gosh, the historicness of having Jokic win three, people are you all said the other side of things of okay, it's probably Embiid's turn to finally win one. So it's it's this dichotomy yeah. that people are working with too. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see how it goes. And maybe he does. But, like I I. I don't doubt it. He's leading the league in scoring. They essentially have identical records. They've won eight in a row. Like they've just been on a heater for two months. It feels like every time I look mm-hmm. at the standings, like they're on like a multi-game win streak. Um, they've been awesome. I mean, I I think the caveat there is that I think their bench is pretty fantastic. I don't think they've made it work completely, but the personnel is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Harden's been really good this year too. Like it's not comparative to his scoring numbers when he was in Houston, but I test compared to what he looked like the last two years. He's looked really good. So I think there's also like a, a supporting cast argument to be made in favor of Jokic. Um, but Embiid's numbers alone, I think he's definitely deserving. And maybe it is his time. I just didn't understand the flip out of nowhere. Oh, I yeah, did too. I didn't very either. narrative and like flimsy. Yeah, I mean, like if it's if it's Mitch, you're like saying like it's his quote unquote time to like win one. But would you say he also deserves to win right now? Or oh, like it th- deserves to be in the conversation. There are only three people who deserve to be in this conversation. Right. And it's yeah, yeah. these two and Giannis. And yeah. I think all three of these guys have a great resume to win this year. Giannis being the part being the number one team in the NBA, right? I mean, Giannis in the number one team in the East with the Bucks. And you've seen how important he has been to that team. He missed a few games. Yes. Uh you also have then the other side, you all then you have the three seed in the Eastern Conference, but it's a much it, which with for Joel Embiid. But I still think it's a tougher Eastern Conference than what you have in the West. It's a mm-hmm. it's yeah. different, or at least to fight to that top side of it. Right. And then you have Jokic, best team in the Western Conference, and st- every stat wants to back him up. Every stat head wants to back him up on it. But I also feel like there is this. There, Aaron's pulling up the on-off numbers. I feel it already over there uh, for Jokic, but uh, comparing him, no, Giannis, no. and Embiid. Oh wow, dang! Never mind. I was but, I was trying to pull up MVP odds because the whole point is like Giannis should be in the conversation as much as everybody, and he's like trailing in a pretty far third compared to yeah these top ridiculous. two. And like in my opinion, I th- again that's totally narrative. Like it's time yeah. because yeah. he's already won two, but Jokic was already won two, and he was the favorite all year. And it would have been three in a row rather than taking a couple years off for Giannis. Like that doesn't make sense to me when they're yeah. far and away the best team in the NBA and their star player, uh, second star player and Chris Middleton has been basically out or not himself all year. Yeah. So like he, for example, I think has as good an argument as anybody, but he's just not in the conversation. So that's, that's what I don't understand about this whole thing. It seems like it's just built on a house of cards and it changes every minute. Yeah. I mean, someone who's got a, um, a future on Giannis to win the MVP. I think we should start pushing that narrative. I really do. <laughs> yeah, so do we, is this the podcast to do it? Do we? I'm sorry, Aaron, but do we start pushing the Giannis uh, there? Do we start pushing we, the Giannis? I'm fine with it. I I, <laughs> I mean, I'm more into Giannis than Embiid. Uh, oh, you will so. have no you have no arguments here. I I it took a lot out of me not to. We were at the Pacers Sixers game on Saturday. The amount of, it, it took out of me not to yell things at Embiid very high. Um, so yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. Because here's the other thing. We got to think about it and we want to start building this narrative as Giannis fans now. Because what is his what what are the what are the games he has left? I mean, does he play any of these top teams left, Aaron? 
Yeah, so he plays the big three we've been talking about. He plays Denver, he plays Boston, he plays Philly. He's got some cake games in there. He also plays Memphis. Uh, so that'll be Jaws, supposed to be back this week. He will be back, I assume. Um, by that point, that's one of the last games of the season. So who knows like if they're going to actually need that game. But he has chances to show up on Big Sage. I'm sure I'm seeing at least four of those are nationally televised. Um, mm. So like the Bucks are always going to be in a primetime slot. Uh, you got some other opportunities to eat up stats against bad teams. You're facing San Antonio, Detroit, Chicago. So you kind of get both sides of the coin there where an opportunity for Giannis to put up a bunch of stats and also show up in these big time games. So I think it's on the table for him if he wants it. Again, Giannis probably doesn't care. Uh, he's certainly not going to push forward himself the way Embiid has been. Um, but I think I think he's got a good a shot as anybody. And I don't understand why he's not in the conversation. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about the Nuggets? I think we covered everything. Or Michael Malone can just be a normal human being and not run hockey lineups. That's that's all I'm asking. Let's and get you on the phone with them, Aaron. I, I might I might need to become like a lineup <sighs> consultant or something. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> Why did we sign Reggie Jackson? It's okay. I Kurt know, Sell man. just wants to be the uh, timeout consultant for some yes. for a high school team. <laughs> he just literally wants to be the guy who pulls the coach aside and said, "Call a timeout." That's all Kurt yeah. Sell wants to do. Um. Kurt, we've only got one timeout left. There's seven minutes left in the game. I don't care. Call it. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like he might need a sounds like he might need to advise Joe Missoula leading into the Celtics, according to Bill Simmons and everybody else has been harping on that not using the timeouts is a reason why he's a bad head coach. All this it, transition. It, it is it is a it is a reason. I also loved God, I can't believe I'm gonna say this. Do we start the Brad Stevens should should take over narrative now? Um, my no, God. Pat Riley asked. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. yeah. I I'm not in for that. What I am not also in for is how Joe Mazzulla has treated the set the second half of the season. Ever since All Star break, it's been downhill. But it's also not him. It's Jason Tatum. When our best player has not played well in the past, like there is some stat I saw the past like six clutch games, he's one of twelve. Like in the last four, like last three or four minutes of clutch games. In the past six clutch games, he's like one of twelve, and it's been miserable to watch. Um, and people are going to look at the stats uh, since All Star break. He's averaging twenty eight points, ten rebounds, five assists. The issue is his free his field goal percentage. It's not great, and especially if you're some star, a star for your team, it's it's miserable. The other guy, and Evan knows where I'm going with this. The other guy who should never touch the floor anymore, and I want Danilo Gallinari back as soon as possible. If Grant Williams could remove his head from his sphincter, I would love that more than anything. Oh, hi there. How are you? Um, if he could remove his head from his sphincter, yeah, the timer is well perfect for that. I would love that more than anything <laughs> because I hate him. I mean, he is ruining. He is he is climbing down the list, Aaron, of least favorite Celtics. He hasn't reached Marcus Morris territory, but he's definitely reached semi ojale territory of like I'm done with you already. So if you want to go take twenty million dollars somewhere else, that'd be great. Um, also, the fact that my other Joe Missoula issue, and I know Bill Simmons talks about it too. Derek White not touching the floor like in clutch moments mm. in games makes no sense to me. Mar- we're trusting Marcus Smart, who hasn't looked like himself all year. I'm going to keep preaching whatever Bill Simmons says. I totally agree with this part of it. The other issue is we haven't seen Rob Williams, which we finally get back tomorrow. Finally, um, we haven't seen this team fully healthy for a, a lot of this year. And that's what sucks. When we do see him fully healthy, they're a lot of fun to watch. Um, but 
ever since that Nets game on my birthday, it has been just downturn. And I hate that I was the karma that switched this season up for them. So, mm-hmm. um, God, then I am really looking back at that game. I went back and rewatched that game recently. It has been, the, that was the worst game to possibly go to as a Celtics fan this year. It was miserable. So, um, my, my thought process is this. If we can stay the three seed, I will be the most happy man on this in this earth. If we get the two seed, incredibly happy. I might have a little soft shop. But if we get the one seed somehow, I will be losing my Stop. mind. There's no way we do it. But if we somehow go on a tear here the last like three, four weeks of the season, <laughs> I will lose my mind. But it, it's going to be wild to see how this goes. <laughs> so... Evan, I'm going to let you react to this one first, but my thought is on the seating aspect, you may, even though home court is in mind there, you may want to be the three seed and play Brooklyn as opposed to playing Miami. That was my thought. That's fair. I also like that a lot. I also, but the other thing is I don't want to play Brooklyn at all. No part of me wants to play Brooklyn. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Heat, I don't think, I think you'd rather play the Heat in the regular season, but come playoff time, I don't think you want to play the Heat at all. That's fair. No home court in Brooklyn. Um, your your game breakers, Mikhail Bridges, who I love, but whatever you know, Jimmy Butler is Mister Playoff at this point. Like yeah. you don't, you, I would much rather face a team led by Mikhail Bridges than Jimmy Butler. The and, Heat are going to take you to seven games, and you're going to be exhausted for the next series. That's if you the want. other thing. It's all just like the Celtics versus Warriors last year. What we talked about is the Warriors had a cake road to the finals and that 100% played a role in them winning the title. And that's exactly why the Celtics went up uh, at the beginning of that series and then fell back. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with that. And so, yeah, I do. I definitely would like the two seed. Like I said, me much happier and my extremities would be much happier too. Um, So that's why I like, I would be a very much happy person. Plus, an extra home a home court advantage. I'll take that. So, but we're saying it, we're saying you might want the three, like because yeah. like I would I don't even care about home court. You're going to probably play a six game, seven game series anyways with Philly, and I think you have Philly's number. Um, oh yeah, I think Philly's as much as regular season team as anybody. I still don't trust them. Uh, I I wouldn't be worried about Philly, and if for some reason game seven is an issue. Like I think you can go into their building and beat them. The Celtics were awesome on the, in the playoffs in the road last year. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, again, I totally agree with Evan, try to get that first series out of the way as quickly as possible and then rest up and who cares about home court. Uh, Cause even if you win that, then you got to play the bucks on the road regardless. So that's going to be the big series you got to play for. You don't think Miami passes Brooklyn by the end of the year. I mean, maybe there's a game yeah. between them. So that's that's my thing. I think because I'm doing the quick math in my head, they have five games left at home, six games left on the road. They could they could easily. I mean, Miami does, and then Brooklyn has a fair amount left at home. So they they might actually have a good chance here just to like close out and stay in that six seed. Uh, because I think that Knicks Cavs four or five series is already locked up. I feel like that's that's already a lock in the Eastern Conference at this point. Yeah, there's and then, a big gap between either right. side of that. Yeah, and that being said, Celtics and the Sixers are only two and a half games back from the Bucks, so it's not like it's inconceivable. But it's still it's still is hard to look at while I'm watching what I'm what I'm watching the Celtics team. It is how we lose to the Rockets 
in the same in the in the jazz in the same in the same like seven day period is makes no sense to me. Like that was the that was the thing that made me want to bang my head against my desk. I was screaming at my girlfriend's house, and my, her dad came in. Is like, what are you yelling at? I'm I'm yelling at the fact that Kevin Porter Jr. and this freaking Rockets team is beating the Celtics. It made no sense to me. Yeah, I think at this point you you don't even worry about playoff seating. I think you just worry about getting the team back in order, which is kind of the whole the whole point of talking about the Celtics right now. I mean, we're I mean, my biggest worry or fear while watching the Celtics right now is it's kind of similar to what we talked about the Nuggets. It's that crunch time um, that I've been watching. I mean, there was that stretch. I think it was like uh, two weeks ago. Maybe it's last week. I can't remember now where they played back-to-back um, overtime games against the Knicks and the Cavs. That was and, two weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, and I just feel like I'm watching the same possession over and over again of Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum didn't play in the Cavs game. Yeah. Something. Um, where it's just dribbled down the floor at the end of the game, no movement, no passing, no cutting, and it's just step back three or a contested two or a contested layup. Mm-hmm. Or it's a kick out to Grant Williams, and it's like, man, we gotta. They 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 seem like they just like stop whatever they were doing the entire game and and get into this man to man one on one offensive style, and especially in overtime. And I know that they're tired, especially on that second game. Right. But it was just all pull up threes, you know, early into the shot clock, not yep. working the possession at all, um, and so. And guess I, who ruined I, the end of I, that Cavs game, Evan? Guess who ruined the end of that Cavs game? That would be Grant Williams. I, mean, yeah, I, mean, I would, I would you... argue that Grant Williams has ruined all of the end of these games. I mean, regardless of, I mean, obviously, yeah, Jason Tatum is <laughs> is shooting thirty seven percent from the field in his last five games and twenty three percent from three. Yeah, no, it's miserable. It's miserable. Um, which kind of what I said earlier. Rather him go through the slump right now. Instead of you know and yeah. and and the series against the Sixers in round two where you're going to mm-hmm. Philly for game six or game seven, it's like you'd rather them go through this now. I mean, and then hopefully you know catch fire here at the end of the season going into the playoffs. But my biggest worry is yeah how they handle and comp- compose themselves down the stretch. I mean, Marcus Smart's gotta gotta play better too. Um, essentially, I mean, Jalen Brown's kind of been the only and. I've enjoyed Al, Al Horford, yeah. But Jalen Brown has just been the superstar for your team the last, you know, three weeks, four weeks. Um, so I think that's something to hang your hat on. The fact that he's been, you know, playing with such confidence is huge. Um, now it just everybody needs to come around him. And, yeah, I mean, everybody's been talking about this whole Derek White thing. I mean, giving him and Brogdon more and more playing time, especially in the crunch time, over Grant Williams and, dare I say, even Mark Smart. Um, oh, you, you can dare to say it. Might be the way to go come playoff time. And My give perf- Brogdon some more minutes too, and some yeah. more shots. Like I think he deserves to be taking more than ten and a half shots per game. To be honest, I mean that's third on the team. There's just such a huge fallout, I guess, anytime you have those top two guys. But he's been really efficient for you. I mean, he was six man of the year front runner for a while. I don't know if he is now. Um, but I mean, he's still in the conversation. Going back to your point on close games win percentage, Boston is eleventh in the NBA. The three teams we've been talking about, Denver, Philly, Milwaukee, are the top three. Yeah. So, again, like Boston's been in that conversation all year, and there's a huge gap between those two teams. So that's pretty evident. Yeah. Oh, wow. it, it's it's pretty miserable. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, and Evan, you're right. The dribble down, shoot, that's all it is. My favorite, 
my favorite closing lineup for this team is strictly Brogdon, White, Brown, Tatum, Horford. And depending on who the big is out there, Rob or Horford, um, or we go small or we go big and we just throw White out there instead of Brogdon. I feel like that's just like how the closing rotation should be. However, it's the idea that Marcus Smart has earned his spot in that closing rotation. Get over it. It's just if we if you're going to try to win games, you're not going to go with the guy who's who's played there for the longest. You're going to go for the guy who's the best for the situation. So that's my yeah. It's going to be really tough for, for I think anybody to bench Marcus Smart. Oh, um, true. Yeah, but coming off have the a, year, he won Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. He's still, I think, valuable for you, especially in a playoff setting. Um, I think that's just like a team chemistry. You don't want to mess around with that, even if it's slightly less efficient for you. Um, I, I don't know if you want to mess with that as a coach. I'm just curious. I want to go back to the Joe Missoula point, because we talked about this really early on in the season, Mitch, when the Celtics were off to a super fast start. Mm-hmm. And I heard everybody like Joe Missoula uh, praising him. Coach of the mm-hmm. Year discussions were made really early on. Yeah. And I've always been in the camp that I think coaches deserve way too much credit and way too much and are given too much fault in the NBA. I think mm-hmm. in other sports, particularly football, where you have such a much more complex game, you see the value of coordinators play a bigger role. I think coaches are more properly rated and analyzed in that sport. But in the NBA, I think there's too much credit and too much fault given to them. Um, and particularly in this instance. So I'm not sure if like this has been the same team the whole time. And as the performance goes, the coach is analyzed. Um, but I'm curious to you who watches more night tonight. Like, what are your actual takeaways from him as a coach? Do you think he has actually had a negative impact um, overall or particularly in the stretch? Like, which is what is your thoughts on him? Not negative. It's a different impact because you had Udoka last year who brought toughness to this team, who brought an actual thing. And I think. Missoula tried to do it in a different way. He tried to do it very early often, and that's why people hate how he doesn't call timeouts. He's trying to do this thing where fight through these tough moments together during the regular season so that way you can fight through it in the playoffs. That way we don't have to rely on these timeouts to fight through these like tough runs. I still think that you know they change moment, they stop momentum whenever you call a timeout, though. I feel like that's important. I don't know. His and that's the thing. I think timeout, and but he still brings a good side. I think we've lost that team basketball aspect, though. I think that's what we had such early on and near the end of last year, and Evans hit on it. I think we've lost that team ball basketball aspect. And if we are playing team basketball, it's not led by one. It's not led by Tatum. It's not led by Brown. Those guys are playing strictly me ball, and it's starting to piss me mm-hmm. off a lot. The only guys who are quote unquote looking for other guys, Brogdon and Derek White and Al Horford. Those are the three guys who look for other people's shots. And that's what's super important, especially coming down to the end of the games. We saw a lot with Brogdon earlier on in the year. Brogdon was kind of one of the main ball handlers come and bring the ball up. And White was doing the same thing, and they were creating for everyone else. And so Smart kind of was doing it too, but then he got hurt, and then he hasn't been the same ever since he's been back. And so I I love I wish I wish it wasn't as reliant. We weren't as reliant on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown bringing the ball up the court. That's well, that's that's kind of where it stems from. Yeah, I yeah. think it's it's huge to have yeah that <clears throat> that initiator of the offense and it not be one of them. I think you'd rather them yeah coming off those screens and yeah off those screens at the elbow and ready to shoot or ready to take it to the hoop or you know kick it out. But yeah, I don't I don't think your best the best version of the Celtics is them initiating the offense. Yeah, and and maybe you know whenever there is you can get switches. Great, you can run that horn set where you get Tatum at the. Mm-hmm. 
at the free throw line and he can take any one of any one of those guys, bring it on. But yeah. I've just seen enough of the Tatum dribbles up, runs off a pick, and then just hucks up a three. Um, yeah. That being said, though, Celtics going up against four very poor defensive teams going coming next. They play the Kings tomorrow night. They play the Pacers later this week and the Spurs at home, and then they play the Wizards. So we get we get right right before the Bucks Sixers uh, back back to back. Or sorry, Bucks, and then we play the Jazz, and then we play the Sixers. So it's gonna be interest. It's gonna be a wild end of the year. But I am over these next four games. It's gonna be really telling how well this offense can work. We get Rob back tomorrow. I am starting to be optimistic, but I'm still, I'm still, uh, if on a panic level, remember how we did the panic meter last year where the panic button mm-hmm. was? Um, it's out. It's on the desk. Okay. My hand is not hovering over it. I, I'm in my new chair. So my hands are on the arms of the chair. Um, okay. My hand is not hovering over it yet. Okay. The, the hand hovers over it when I want to, when, when we lose two of the next four, if we lose <laughs> two of the next four, then I, then I, then my hand starts hovering over the panic button. Yeah, I think if I were a Nuggets fan right now, my it would probably the button would be in like the drawer that it's typically residing in. Like it's not even out. Mm. Uh it's 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 tucked away for now, but we're we're definitely ready to pull that drawer open if need be. Uh so I, I think I'm not there quite yet, specifically because of the Western Conference and my confidence in that being the weaker of the two. Mm. Um and and not having to face a Bucks like team. Yeah. pretty much inevitably in a conference finals. I think I I think I said on the last podcast, like the Bucks were kind of weird to me, but I'm becoming less and less weirded out by them and just more and more confident by them. I think they've been my team out of the East pretty much all year. Uh, I think if you ask me today, if you ask me at the end of the regular season, I'm still taking Milwaukee as the favorite. Um, I just, I think when you think about last year too, the way things shook out, um, uh, I think they're a better team than obviously Chris Middleton is back. He's not great, but they're just deeper in general. And Brooke Lopez has been out of this world. So like, that's a huge difference maker. Uh, We talked about Rob Williams being so impactful for the Celtics, but he's so hit or miss and Lopez has been healthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's been basically the best three and D guy. I think one of our group chats was talking about it. Like it's weird to think of a three and D guy being seven foot, but that's basically what he is like the preeminent three and D guy. So I think that's a huge impact for him, and I, I got to take the Bucks right now as it stands. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, we are done talking about our two teams, Aaron. We got we got this other yeah. team in the middle of the mid. I mean, southern Midwest, uh, northern Southwest portion of the the country. Wait, which wait? Northern, you know, the southern Southwest? Midwest, <laughs> the northern the part of the Southwest, Midwest or the ignore south me, or the Midwest. Ignore me. We're going with it, Oklahoma City, which we yeah, brought on our major. expert for. And shut up. We got the we brought in the expert for it, Evan Sell. And so we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna be right back with some Oklahoma City Thunder talk. We are back. Um and we're gonna talk about a team we haven't talked about at all this year. A team that you know really has surprised a lot of people. A team who's definitely hit their over in win total. Um, and a team who was missing their First, I mean, their first round pick, then who was the number two pick in the uh, in the uh, draft this past year? People, we're talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder, and we brought on my brother, friend of the show, just to talk about it, Evan Sell, who is the biggest Thunder fan I know. And Evan, I'm going to kick it to you, and we're going to start here. One of the guys who's been the breakout star in the NBA this year, who kind of you you have known it for a long time, 
You know SGA was going to be the man. But you did not – did you know he was going to be this man? I mean, what, he's a top 10 player in the NBA this year, right? Is that a fair I'd, statement? I'd, I'd say so. I'd yeah, sure. Um, no, I did not think he was capable of this. I thought top 20 was a ceiling. But I think just the the – what he's doing on a night-to-night basis. I mean, averaging 31 points a game is is insane. And, you know, obviously it's – I think there's like six players who are averaging over 30 so far this year. So, right. like, he's alone. But the fact that he's doing it on a night-to-night basis, um, his finishing ability around the rim is is just unmatched. I mean, just the way he just – he's he's wiry. He just gets around people. He scoops, puts a bunch of spin on his layups. I just love it. Um but the thing I'm most impressed with and the thing I was most critical with, you know, the past couple of years with him was his lack of engagement defensively. Um, and for whatever reason this year, he's just completely devoted himself to both sides of the floor and making himself yep. a true two-way guy. Like, dude is getting steals on a nightly basis. I think he's actually under two steals a game now, but 1. just 7. recently. He, 1. Yeah, 7. so 1.7. 7. So but just so active on the defensive end. And I mean, he gets a fair amount of blocks too. Um, What's that? Yeah. He's at one, he's averaging one block a game right now too. So just like so active in all of the passing lanes, playing aggressive defense. I mean, he's playing against some of the toughest guards in the NBA. I mean, that's not a, that's not an easy position to defend. Um, So it's pretty impressive. Aaron just said fourth in the NBA and steals um, for that. And I guess I have a stat that I'm going to use um, to go off of that. Um, I was looking the other day. Actually, I heard this a while back, but then I just saw it resurface today. Um, So there's only four players of all time. We'll do this a little, a little game here. Four players of all time. SGA is one of them who has averaged 30 points a game, five assists a game, and then one steal and one block. Only four or three others besides SGA. Michael. Michael, yes. Okay. Starting there. And then um, the, the other two are Will? all from... No, the other two are all from this century. Wait, this century. Uh, what were the stats again? 30 points, five assists, one steal, one block. Yeah. Kind of surprised that Will doesn't have that. I is, know. I was surprised too. Is Dwayne Wade... Dwayne Wade is is Ooh, is one of them. Nice. LeBron James. Yep. There you go. And you know what? <laughs> that I mean, that's first of all, elite company. Um, oh, just a little bit. Just three of the top twenty, top thirty players. Uh, Dwayne Wade's the only guy who doesn't crack top twenty yeah. for some players, but top thirty at least. Wait, was it five assists or five rebounds? Sorry, five, five assists. Five, oh, assists. five assists. Five assists, not five steals. No one has ever averaged five. Steals. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> Um, We're not in high school basketball, but you know, I feel like I feel like you see so many different stat lines or like teams promoting their players, where it's like no player has ever averaged like mm-hmm. twenty-seven points, nine rebounds, seven assists, and shot sixty-four percent from the field <laughs> in the month of February. And it's like, <laughs> it's like feels so like many qualifiers. Feels like we're stretching here, but. I mean, those four stats feel like pretty legit stats. And I know that, you know, obviously all the scoring numbers are up this year and, you know, just keep getting higher and higher. But I think I think kind of just going back to my other point is just the steals and the blocks are just are the huge thing for me. And just 
kind of point to his defensive engagement. So that's what I've been most impressed with. But I am interested to hear, you know, obviously I'm watching the Thunder on a almost almost every game basis, but I'm interested to hear, you know, what your guys' perspectives are kind of watching from the outside and and what you've seen. I'm a I'm gonna go here first. The one thing that you didn't hit on, and I'm surprised you didn't touch on. He takes 20 shots a game, Evan. He takes two and yeah. a half of them are threes. Two and yeah, a half of them are threes. That's does it. Does not shoot threes. Does not shoot right. threes. That was and that he, was my point too, Mitch. I, I I'm mean, still shocked by that in today's NBA. I think yeah. when you look at it, there are only three players besides him in the top 25 in scoring that take fewer than two and a half threes. Um, one of those is a center. So like, yeah, I mean that's that says enough for you right there. But this is also on a team that does shoot poorly from three. This is very true. We all we all yeah. know this to be true. Um, but still, for him to average 31 points and only make one three a game, average one three a game is pretty incredible. So I'll start there. Um, the second thing I'll say, SGA has you you've you've hit it correctly. If we weren't talking about if MVP was truly like who is the most valuable player and it didn't matter if winning or losing mattered, SGA would be my number one guy to go to right now. Like wow. I think wow. if, if wins weren't uh, the massive factor, of course it is because welcome to the NBA and winning matters, uh, but also going to a title. But I think SGA would actually be in my top, top three at least when it came to MVP voting because of how important he has meant to this Thunder team. But we're not going to have it. Because well, but also because we have this year of Embiid and Jokic and Giannis all doing crazy things. But even still, Mm -hmm. this reminds me of that Derrick Rose MVP year where like he has that massive breakout year, and it just shocks the world. And also, it would help if uh, the Thunder were better than the eight seed right now. But even still, he's leading them to an eight seed without missing with missing Chet Holmgren, with a very undersized group of players. And a bunch of like discarded players. You got Dario Saric at the All Star break. Do you like all Dario Saric, Evan? He's making a huge impact. Right. I mean, <laughs> he's essentially just playing Mike Muscala minutes and being just as efficient as Mike Muscala. So right, and, I, and I've always been a Saric guy. Yeah, you got Isaiah Joe discarded by the Sixers, becoming one of the best three point shooters in all the NBA right now. We got him for nothing. We got you him got for him for jack shit. And then you got you got the guy who. Ah, I remember that fateful night out at Innsbruck when this man, Evan, screamed at in pain when Josh Giddy was picked. It, it and only for him to now become one of his favorite people on earth. And yeah. I, I think that has been what's helped SGA is having that other ball handler in Josh Giddy, a guy who's can grow right next to him, but also just to have that guy who I think this Thunder team has definitely needed is like you need two ball handers to go win basketball games. And you have that with those two guys right now. Um, and he's just such a great running mate with SGA at that guard position. So I am happy for what this Thunder team has done. And I, and I'll let Aaron hit on, hopefully hit on this other guy too. But I think this team has done so well with the little pieces it's been quote unquote given but it's made the best of the situation. And like Aaron said early on, eight seed currently right now, they're going to be very – no one wants to play this team in the play And I want to say that. Of the four playing teams, I would want to play them the least. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, to, to not – or to say that the Lakers would probably be the most scary, especially if LeBron and AD are playing. 
Um, but I think other than that, I think, yeah, you're totally right. The Thunder, I don't think anybody wants to come against them. Just, um, yeah, I mean, they've got nothing to lose. Nobody wants to play that team. No one, no one, no one in the Lakers can stay in front of SGA. That's my final thing. Go to you, Aaron. The Warriors also happen to be in this play-in uh, picture right now. Let's just put True. that out there. Good uh, point. Damn it, you're right. I thought it was the... I, I think the fact that the Thunder were priced at plus 470 to make the playoffs the other day was outright ridiculous. I should have bet it instantly because um, <laughs> they go and they beat the Phoenix Suns uh, in what was an incredible game. Yeah. As we talked about, SGA dropped 40, didn't shoot a single three, um, lived <laughs> at the line, and mm-hmm. went toe-to-toe with Devin Booker. Uh, and he just does that every night. It's kind of crazy. I'm thinking about the jump that John Morant made two years ago um, as a similar jump. I mean, the Grizzlies were a much higher seed than Western Conference when that jump occurred, so maybe there's a difference there. Um, albeit, I think he has more to work with than SGA does. Um, mm-hmm. But you mentioned the one guy I think we were missing, Mitch, that hasn't been named. I think that's Jalen Williams. Without You're right. Good man. Mr. Jalen Williams <laughs> happens to be second in rookie of the year voting. Not a chance in hell he gets it. But the fact that he's even second is pretty crazy because he was yeah. at the back end. Of, was he outside the lottery or like the back he end? Twel- he was 12. Okay. So. Back into the lottery. Um, Santa Clara, right? I mean, mm-hmm. kind of out of nowhere. I didn't like the pick of the time. I was like, it just seemed like the I loved it with the Jang pick. It just seemed like a little obscure. I would have, <laughs> I would have liked something more sure thing. Um, I agree. Yeah, but he's been awesome. I mean, he's been kind of inconsistent night to night here and there. But I mean, that's kind of to be expected. What you've seen so far is really promising. And when you know you already have the number one option, that. Puts a lot of, you know, relieves a lot of weight off of that. Um, And we're talking about a team that doesn't even have, as you said, Mitch, their number two pick um, or the the number two pick in the overall draft from this past year in Chet, who like is the ultimate like upside type of guy. And at worst, like everything that we fear about Chet comes comes to be. He's hurt. I'm knocking on wood right now, Evan, but he's he's hurt. He never plays like this is still an awesome team that you can work. Like the fact that you have that huge upside and the downside is like still a really competitive fun team is awesome. So yeah. I think that the Thunder are in a really good spot. Um, and yeah, I, I, they've definitely been fun to watch. I mean, I was locked in the Thunder Spurs the other night without SGA. So well, that, that, t- that tells you exactly uh, how I feel about this team. That's commitment. I mean, yeah, you're, I mean, yeah, you're right about Jalen Williams um, as far as, uh, consistency goes like yesterday. I think I only got like six points or something, but I think the most impressive thing for me so far has been the fact that he's been able to impact the game so heavily whenever he's not scoring. Um, yesterday, I think he got like 10 rebounds. He had like five assists. I think he had, I think he had like two steals. Um, so like he was just impacting the game regardless of, you know, whether he was touching the ball, he only shot the ball six times too. So it's not like he was, eating up possessions um got a great feel for the game and the moment that i knew that he was legit was after the all-star break sga was out for those first five games um after with like an abdominal strain and he just took over the scoring load for the team like no problem was running the offense was taking it to the hoop was shooting step back threes pull up threes um that was when i knew that we that we had i mean just got great value at the number 12 pick i mean you're right. I mean, he's number two in the rookie of the year voting and doesn't have a chance to beat Paolo, but he deserves to be there, you know? Um, 
I mean, you can look at numbers and be like, oh, Jalen Williams deserves a shot at the rookie of the year. But I mean, the matter of fact is Paolo, I mean, he's he is given the keys to the magic. I mean, he has a way bigger responsibility. That's um, and he's just he's been great for them so far. But second overall in the rookie of the year voting or, you know, projected is is pretty impressive. I, I couldn't have been more pleased with him and Chet. I mean, coming back next year, I mean, you got your seven foot big man um who's essentially just a stretch i mean he can shoot he can dribble needs to be obviously get some strength but yeah he can defend um which is exactly what we need i mean we struggle on the on the defensive boards we actually are pretty good offensive boards wise but um he's going to be that i think that perfect final piece at least for the starting lineup um going back just to tie a knot on the whole sga numbers um this is my favorite stat is just his stat line, uh, his averages since the all-star break. Um, he's averaging 35.6 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 4.1 assists, 2.1 steals. And he's shooting 53% from the field, 43.5% from three and 63.5 true shooting percentage. I mean, those are just unreal numbers, obviously a small sample size, but that that's top 10 in the NBA. I mean, Right now, that's probably top five in the NBA since the All-Star break. Um, yeah. So just couldn't be more pleased with him. Couldn't be more pleased with with the team that we have right now. And we just, we've got, I mean, the team chemistry is great. These guys love to play with each other, which is huge, especially when you're building a team. Hats off to Sam Presti. Hats off to Mark Dagnall. I mean, everybody's just doing a great job. I mean, Mark Dagnall deserves a lot of credit, too, for bringing this team to one game under 500 right now. I mean, the fact that we've got 35 wins is crazy. I mean, obviously SGA is the biggest reason, but I mean, it, it can't be easy to coach all of these young guys and getting them to work together and buy in so quick. So I think a lot of credit goes to him too. I talked about it a little bit earlier and we've talked about it now. You've hit it twice now. Tip, top 10 player in the NBA. Yeah. As we look at the end of the year, we look at like that all NBA kind of placement what team do you have him on on the all nba teams yes this may become a surprise to you guys <laughs> but i've no i've actually got him on second team all nba right now that does surprise me and solely i've got De'Aaron fox on my first team right now me too but um, wow me too exactly the same and... i have him second team <laughs> And Wait, the SGA or Fox? I have Fox second team, and I have SGA first team. Okay. And what it really came down to for me, I mean, is um, I tried to put myself in, like, if, if SGA was playing for the Kings and if Fox was playing for the Thunder, I'd be like, well, SGA, is he's gotten his team to the second seed in the, in the, in the, in the standings right now. They are True. in the second seed in the West. That I mean, that's what it came down to. That was the only thing that I think I was picking, picking nits, splitting hairs uh, for that first team, that last guard spot, because I think Luca's kind of a shoe in at this point, depending on, I mean, we'll see how he finished out the year if he plays. Um, but that was, I went with Fox for first team um, for the guards, and then I put SGA on second team. But I mean, who knows? I mean, if the Thunder, I mean, guys, it's not out of this world. It is not out of this world that the Thunder could play themselves out of the play-in game. They could play themselves into a playoff spot. 
They are. No. Let me pull up. I think they're only one game behind the Mavericks right now. That's exactly they are, right. Yeah, That's they're exactly one game right. behind the Mavericks, and then they're only a half game in the play-in. So yeah, right now it, is that so the Mavs are just starting to get healthy, and they haven't been healthy for yeah a few weeks now. Uh, Absolutely. But yeah, it's totally probable. I mean, the Warriors really haven't figured it out since Curry's been back. We've seen them lose a lot of bad games and too. So Wiggins too. Yeah, it's so it's so out. tight. Um, we play the Clippers twice this week, which will be two big games. If we can just split those, that'll be huge. I mean, but the Clippers are you know playing balls to the wall too. They're playing for that. I think that five seed because I think they're tied with the. They're a half game behind the Suns. Suns, yeah, the Suns. Half game behind the Suns. They're fighting for that. I mean, that's a huge spot, but I think we can split games with the Clippers and man, I don't know. I really think we could, I mean, that would be, that's an ideal situation, but I, I love us in the play in. Um, I'm excited. Finally getting some thunder playoff basketball first time since the bubble. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be exciting stuff. So we kind of touched on a little bit then I'm going to want to hear the full teams. Who is your first team all NBA Evan? First team All NBA is we've got, um, we've got Fox and Doncic at the guards. Um, we've got Tatum and Giannis at the forwards, and I've got Embiid right now as my center on the first team. So, you and I have the same four except SGA and Fox switched. I have also Embiid, Giannis, and Tatum at the forward at the, at the front court, and then Doncic and SGA at my guards. Aaron, yeah. I got Fox as well. Luca's my other guard. Tatum, Giannis, and Jokic. Fair enough. My five. Fair enough. Yeah, I think those are all very fair um, decisions. I don't think there's any. I think there are, yeah, those couple interchangeable players, but I feel like the most part, it's the same like eight guys that you discuss for that first team. And wait, so which you had SGA, SGA, Luka. yeah, SGA, Luca, Giannis, Tatum, and Bede. Okay, so Embiid and Evan, did you have Embiid or Jokic? I had Embiid. Okay, right, I had so I, I did have Jokic guy. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think the only spots that are locked in right now on the first team is Luca and Giannis. I oh, think yeah. the other I think the other three can. I mean, if Jason Tatum ends the year the way he's been playing so far, I think he could play himself out of the first team. So I think there's only two concrete players so far on the first team. Because that, here's the thing: I was kind of surprised that forward position wasn't deeper. I know. And that's like, why I, I mean, that's why I went with Jalen Brown at that forward. I have Jalen Brown yeah. as the second team All NBA forward. Okay, Yo, you're talking second team now. I was well, even well, talking no. like first team. Like I was well, like, even still like if Tatum plays as bad as he's playing and Brown keeps playing better, I might put Brown at first team. Yeah, KD has fallen because of his injuries. I have right. KD's yeah. I have KD's second team right now with with Jalen Brown, Jokic, and then I have... Let's just, let's just do second team. Yeah, you just go with your second team. I have team. Fox and then Donovan Mitchell as my my two guards. And Fox, Jokic. Donovan Mitchell, Jalen, Jokic, and who? KD. KD. Oh, wow. So KD didn't even make any of my teams just because the injury... Yeah, uh, he didn't make issue. any of mine either. I, mean, I, I should have thought about that too. He even played. I think he's like at 40, like five or 46. Hey, or you're something. right. I should have thought about I that. I mean, he's not going to play for the rest of the year. Maybe he'll play like the last one or they two. They talked but... about him being back in a week. I saw the um, report that came out that saying they could be back in a week. Yeah, I like anywhere from that like 52 to 58 range. Okay. As a, as a minimum. I'm 42 games. Yeah, you're 42. right. I yeah, I don't. I should have thought about that dumb moment. 
I'm just really glad have... that I saw him live in Phoenix. That's uh, awesome. Well, in Chicago when he was with Phoenix, one of the first games. Uh, I was glad I got to see that because I don't know if we're going to see much of that. Um, I can go. I yeah, yeah you go. Ahead. Okay. Uh, Ivan Beats, so the opposite center, I feel like just flipped. Uh, mm-hmm. I do have Jalen Brown. I have Laurie Markkinen. I think he okay. really deserves to be in this. Um, I don't know. He's just had an <laughs> incredible year, even though the Jazz might not even make like the play-in. Uh, I think he's got to be in there. Plus the forward position is a lot thinner than you would think. Yeah. SGA is here for me. And then kind of maybe a controversial pick, but I got Drew Holiday here. Um, I think given the Bucks performance mm. you have to have two bucks somewhere and i just really mm. value his defensive end even like i don't even think that's measured in like the normal numbers you would see like steals i don't even think he's in like the top 10 in steals but like he's by far the best guard defender in the nba and has really improved his three-point efficiency to this year um and has just overall been able to steady the ship without chris middleton there so i think he's worthy of the second team certainly third team but i just love him so i had him up here in the second team Fair enough. Yeah, I was I I didn't actually put Drew on any of my teams, but I had him. I was kind of going between him and another guy for the third team, the last guard spot. But it, we'll get to that later. But um, I will say that I'm very impressed by Drew Holiday this season. How well he's been able to play. Whenever whenever Giannis was out for that short period of time, just right. and Chris Chris wasn't out, or if he was, he was you know playing 20 minutes a game off the bench. The way he was able to. Uh, run the team offensively was pretty impressive, even though they still, you know, struggled, you know, record wise, but that was, that was pretty impressive. Um, my second team, for whatever reason, I've also got Embiid on the second team center. So we're going to change that. <laughs> to Jokic. Embiid squared. <laughs> yeah. That's how far the, the Jokic haters have gone, Aaron. It's <laughs> brutal. Okay. So I've got Jokic and then I've got um, Mark, or sorry, I've got Jokic, I've got Julius Randle, I've got Jalen Brown, I've got Shea, and I've I've got Steph Curry as my as my last guard. Okay, I don't want to talk about injuries, Wait, but really, yeah, we just talked about that. Ev, come on for SG or for Steph. Yeah, how many games does he play? I think, but I think by the end of the season, forty six. Yeah, by the by the end of the season, he'll be at he'll fit fifty six. 57. That's fair. I, I have a lot of pushback on that. But is is, is that your list? Because I, I won't belabor the point if you're not done listing people yet. No, I'm done. That's it. Okay. I just think the Warriors, like where they are right now, I know it's not Steph's fault. But like that eliminates him for me. I didn't have him on any of my teams, but for Whoa, sure wow. the top two because of that. Like the fact that the Warriors are defending title champs and they might not even make the playoffs. Like that's in question. I think they will. But the fact that yeah. it's even in question is an issue for me. And I don't, again, think that lies at his feet. Um, I just I just think that's a huge factor in, in why yeah. he wouldn't be in my list. I get fair. that. Yeah, I've I've watched, a, for whatever reason, I've watched a lot of Warriors recently. I feel like they've been a lot of prime time and a lot of late games recently. Um, anyways. Well, they are West Coast. Um, no, I'm just saying like a lot of late <laughs> prime time games. I realize oh, that they're in the thanks, West Coast. Man. Well, uh, did you actually know that the Thunder are located in the Midwest South? Yeah, it's <laughs> the, also the, the Northwest the Northwest Division. I know we can go on. <laughs> the the Warriors are in the southeast portion of the Northwest of the yeah. eastern part of. Um, yeah, I hate I hate my my issue of talking. I don't even know what I was going to say anymore. I don't either. Um, 
but something about how oh i was just i've been watching a lot of warriors basketball and <laughs> i've been i mean curry's just just sh- i mean shooting lights out playing lights out playing I, I won't say as good as i've ever seen him play but i mean he's just playing so well and i i i think the guard position is really really deep this year and I couldn't see a, a way that he doesn't make any of the teams, much less, you know, the second team. So, yeah, I didn't even think about it because I thought of their injury and yet I put Katie on my, my team. So I don't understand. <laughs> the logic was not there for me. Um, Evan, hit us with the third team while you're at it. Okay. Third team here at center. I was going between this guy and Bam, but I went with Mr. Sabonis. I think he's earned it. Um, again, it kind of came down to the record thing. I mean, kind of Aaron's point with the whole, you got to have two bucks. I think you have to have two Kings players. Um, although I didn't follow Aaron's rule of having two bucks. Anyways, um, I think Sabonis <laughs> is, is just as equally responsible for where the Kings are as De'Aaron Fox. Cause I mean, De'Aaron Fox has kind of been the, the go-to guy in the crunch time. I mean, his clutch numbers have been really really, really impressive, but Sabonis has just been that consistent guy um, game in and game out. That's just been um, bringing them there and um, at the two forward spots. Now, here is where I get into my injury issue. Oh, boy. Because because I've got LeBron James as one of my forwards. Um, and I actually Who's don't know. One? Who's your other one? I actually don't know what his other, what his total games played is. And I know my other four is going to be controversial. Looks like oh. we're sitting at 47. 47. Right now. It's and I don't kind know. Surprisingly high. I think he's supposed to be back by the, I don't know, next week, I think. All I see right now is Darvin Ham said Sunday that he anticipates returning at some point. That's huge. That's a huge Very indicator. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> the most vague answer ever. Um, yeah, 47 I know I'm gonna... games, though. That's kind of high. I mean, higher than the other two guys who've been talking about injuries. Yeah. And I know I'm going to get backlash on my second forward spot, but I've got Paul George here. Um, oh. I just I love me some Paul George, and I I I I originally had Markin in here as this final forward spot, man. But um, I think the I mean the record first of all was the biggest thing, and the Clippers have finally turned it around. Seem to have figured out their their lineups and their rotations after getting Russ. Um, and Paul George just seems to be at the top of his form right now. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously he was an all-star this year. Um, so I like him at that, at that final forward spot over Markinen. Um, and then my two final guards, I've got Donovan Mitchell. <clears throat> and as of right now, if he comes back this week, I've got John Morant as that final smart. guard. And if not, then I would have had Drew Holiday. The guard spot is deep. You don't have it's that so same deep. issue. I mean, I had like three guys split out for that last spot. Um, yeah. Yeah. The no marketing hurts me, but I mean, I was also thinking about Paul George for the third team. I think Sabonis is probably the shoe in answer for this third team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For the life of me, I tried every every way to figure out to, how to slot Brooke Lopez in here. <laughs> but he's going to get his credit with the defensive player of the year. So I'm okay leaving him off this list. Yeah. Um. So Sabonis, I have Randall here at the moment under recording. He has 52 points against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So what? a very timely discussion. He had That's 52 entering team. the fourth. Whoa. 
the all-time record for the Knicks is 62. So possibly he breaks on. it. But they have, um, they're just starting the fourth quarter? Yeah, he he's started on the bench. So I think he'll come in for the stretch run. Maybe overtime. So that would certainly allow him to break Eight it. three-pointers. Yeah. For Mr. Randall. Yeah, they definitely hit the over in this game. And that my buddy at work is going to be pissed. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, this last forward spot was really tough. I think Julius Randall is deserving. I had Jimmy Butler in here, even <sighs> though I really disliked the Heat season. And I think they've underperformed somewhat predictably for me. But he's been pretty rock solid for him. He's actually played a ton, too. Like for How Jimmy many? Butler. 58 games. Yeah, oh, I damn, saw that, that too, when I was Jimmy. looking. I was really surprised. But actually, when I thought about it, I mean, he really hasn't missed much at all. Yeah. So, I mean, he's been really good. And he's taken a ton less, fewer threes this year. Like, he's even taken a full three less than SGA per game, if that tells you anything. Um, And he's living at the line per usual. So, like, I, I don't know. There's a reason why we're still scared of this Heat team. Uh, I think it's Jimmy Butler. And then at the guards, I got Spida. I think he's got to be in here. But that last spot, I had like three guys written down. I, with everything going on with Jaw, even though they are the second slash third seed in the West, I'm going to go with Dame just because mm. Dame has had his best statistical season ever. Um, is incredibly ef- efficient. That team's been a mess, um, but he's been great. Uh, I know some of that's kind of fool's gold um, because of his team being a mess and because they don't play any defense, they're just going to score a lot. But he's a really, really underrated passer, too. And his assist numbers are really good this year, too. So uh, I'm going to go with him. But I was certainly considering Ja, and I was even considering Harden um, for that last spot. Wow. My guy has not been mentioned for my final guard spot. Okay, cool. Real um, quick before Mitchell goes on his third team, just a point. I was just looking at the standings. Um, how good the play-in has been for the non-tanking teams like there's only two teams tanking in the west and like we've got the and we've got the trailblazers who are third from the bottom but they're only like two games out of the play-in right now or three games out of the play-in like that's pretty cool that all of these you know all of these teams except for those final two are all still fighting so anyways continue Mitch. you're good um man damn didn't even come to a thought in my mind me neither me neither um also i'm adjusting I, I'm 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 learning from my mistakes. KD is no longer on my second team. Okay, I'm, okay. I'm moving a guy from my third team to the second team. It's gonna be Laurie Markkinen. I mean, Laurie Markkinen. Whoa, second. second team, both Dude, of you guys. That's where I had I, him. I, I, know. I know. All right, but Sabonis is our everyone's third team all center, all NBA center. I have yeah, Julius yeah. Randle, and then I'm gonna actually put Paul George. I'm gonna add Paul George to my my third team. I I, okay, I maybe looked at the stats. As crazy as I thought. No, no, no. I I think you're right. He's played 58, 56 games, something along that list. Um, and then over 23, over 24 points, five rebounds, six assists. Pretty impressive. Yeah. And then we, then I went with John Morant. Okay. My other guard is Anthony Edwards. Yeah. I, and I, I considered I, it. And and it is with capping out, Anthony Edwards yeah. has been the go-to guy on that team. And especially since, man, we're going to just really hype up Andrew Carlson with this. But honestly, this Timberwolves team has looked infinitely better since D'Angelo Russell has been off this team. And yeah. I think it's because of how well Anthony Edwards has been able to lead. And he's played 71 games so far this year. He's been ha- he's had to carry a lot of the workload for this team, especially, like I said, since Cat's been out. Um, 
and they're definitely not getting the production they wanted from Rudy so far. So it's definitely been how how far can Anthony Edwards, a third year, fourth year player, how many years has he been in the third year, fourth year? This is his third year. Third year, third year. Yeah. yeah, a third year player. How far can he carry you into it, it for in, into this NBA season, which has been the nine seed? But we are we have an SGA who's an eight seed right now. So yeah, and I that's where I'm falling right now. Right now, that's where I'm going. Yeah. I think another instance of how deep this guard position is, is that we didn't talk and I had him in for a little bit, but we didn't talk about Jalen Brunson at all. And I think that was one of my thoughts too. Deserving of the two con- Knicks on there. Yeah. My God. There's no, 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 no. Who I am putting two Knicks on there, but you're right. He's, des- he's deserving of the, yeah, deserving yeah. of the conversation, but yeah, I, I ultimately couldn't go for it, but um, I think it's really cool that, yeah, the guard position is that deep. I mean, I even thought, I'm surprised. Wait, did neither of you guys have Steph? Mm-mm. I didn't have Steph, but it, originally wow. it was because the injury thing, and I didn't even think that he will probably finish over that 55 game mark. But huh. I that, that, yeah. that, that that probably was a fault on my own. But I, no, I mean because of the underperformance of the Warriors, like it's one thing for me if like, oh well, they're actually ahead of the Thunder, and you're putting SGA on the second team. It's all about what your expectations were as yeah. well. Um, yeah. And that matters because, like, they were basically picked to win the West or second at very, the very least. Like, at the Clippers were getting a lot of love preseason. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they are where they are now, I think, matters in comparison to that. Because uh, yeah. obviously, like, Dame, they're ta- they're almost tanking right now. So Yeah, I get that. that this, the other thing I was going to say was if I was going to put Steph on my, my team, I'd move Ant to the, the missing forward spot. Take out Paul George and then put Steph there on the third team. But you can't put Anthony Edwards as a forward. No. No. So that would be my only way I would Well, another that. guard, Trey Young. We haven't talked about it. I know none of us really like Good. him. Good. Gross. Tenth in the league in scoring and third in assists, and we haven't even mentioned him. Like yeah. I just in a vacuum, those stats are pretty crazy to not even. Oh, they are they're very crazy. Them. Um, I also can trust him to let everyone go past him on defense. Um, oh, that's that's why I blend that part of that. Um <laughs> okay. Evan, the other thing we did not prepare you for. Oh, no. uh, uh, but it's it's an easy question. We ask it every time you come on. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we ask every guest who comes on this podcast. Finals. Let's hear it. Who's the finals prediction for you? I don't remember what I said when we did this back. I think we did like in November. Um, I think you were the Bucks Nuggets if we did it. Um, I think I may have had the Nuggets. I know you, but I know, you didn't I, have I know, I know, I know I had the Bucks. I'm going to do a – oh, man. This is hard. This, I mean, the West is just so – the West is so – yeah. Mm, okay, I'm going to do a 2021 rematch, Buck Suns. Suns. Yeah. They're the favorites somehow in the West right now. Makes no sense really? to me. Makes no yep. sense to me. All Mitchell, right. I don't I don't know if you saw their they made a trade at, before the trade deadline where they acquired one of the top ten players of all time. I don't know if you if you'd seen that. You have him top just, ten all time? No, maybe not top ten, maybe top fifteen. Fifteen's I mean, perfect. I have a the, I have the best the best the best scoring forward of all time. That's fair. I'll let you, I'll, I'll let it slide. Um but also, you saw it last night. I mean, did you see how deep that Suns team is? Uh, deep doesn't really matter. Come playoff time, you just need seven or eight players. Yeah, and I don't like the, anything after their number four guy. 
I do like Josh Kogi. Congratulations. He, he's been showing up, and I'm very, very impressed as uh, by him as a role player. I yeah. think we talked about this a while back with Andrew Carlson. Like, what is Josh Kogi's trade value when he was in the Timberwolves? And he was like, yeah, nothing. He's been awesome for them. Like, he, I think Chris Paul even mentioned him like in his press conference the other night after yeah. the game because he had a huge block late in the game uh, that was somewhat risky because obviously you can foul him on a three. But like, yeah, that, he's been he's been great, yeah. and he's been Hold knocking on. down threes, which has been always the question with him. Um, the thirty three percent shooter in March and the twenty nine percent three point shooter. He he's been knocking down big threes. I don't know when he when I was in Chicago, he dropped almost twenty. He did yeah, have he's... he did have twenty five against the Bulls. I will let yes. that slide. That was like the he one was awesome like, at that game. That's like the one game where he shot over fifty percent all month. That I, was... I just I like I like the form, and it seems like he's got some nuts and he plays defense. So I, I got nuts. Him, with Kevin Durant on the floor, yeah, I mean he's going to have way more space, and I mean he has he's only played what three games with Kevin Durant. I, I mean I'm just good call. I'm thinking I'm thinking about the Suns team that I watched play the Bulls. I mean the way that they pulled away in that fourth quarter with their core guys playing. Oh my god, so good. The, Maver- <laughs> the Mavericks game, and then what was the first game? The Hornets. Kevin- the Hornets, yeah, which is whatever. But but that's the thing. Like they played three games together, yeah. and they looked like that. I mean, it was really bad competition. The Mavs was a good game uh offensively but again like they played a ter- three terrible defenses yeah and i am uh, i am worried about like continuity and stuff but i think if if they can pull together in the first round i, I think they're going to be i just don't see a way that any other west team i mean the nuggets i think are that's going to be your western conference finals there and i think it's a toss-up well it would be second round as it stands now oh that's true yeah which would the, that changes the calculus either way uh yeah that Western Conference Finals looks a lot easier for either one of those teams. That's uh, true. So, Aaron, which it's all it's all subject to change, honestly. Yeah, um, I'll go next then. Um, it's definitely the Bucks. And Aaron, I don't want to do it, but I'm putting your Nuggets still in there. But it's not far behind. For some reason, our lovely Sacramento Kings just really well. Oh, Mitchell! No, no, no! Hold on, hold on. Here, you brought up a good point, Evan. You get <laughs> that you get the Nuggets or the Suns at the right time, coming off a, a gruesome seven-game series. You could have you could that that Kings team could just light you up from three and just ruin you offensively. I don't. I do not trust. No offense, the Nuggets could not stop. Probably won't, after coming off a seven-game series against the Suns, they would have a hard time defending the Kings. Who, who would the Kings have a hard time defending anybody? Well, absolutely, they would have really. <laughs> okay. I, I don't understand that part of it. There's, there's still the other side of it, but I also still think that they'd be ty- tired legs after a seven-game series again with those two teams. So that's where I. That's the where I Kings with would, I mean, would be like would think that Kevin Durant is like a witch or something <laughs> watching it. They wouldn't have they would have no idea what to do with that. Fair. Um if you if you don't float you're a witch and if you're dead like you yeah. don't, or whatever it is. Yeah. It's just like, and, no, what was it? What was lose. it for us in Florida, Aaron? It was if you like the sunscreen, you're a witch. If you're not yeah. if you like the sunscreen, you're not a witch. Yeah. I'm a witch. Fun. Um Aaron, hit us with it. I assume you have Bucks wedding. <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah, I have Bucks winning. But... Do you have the Bucks winning, Evan? Um, shoot, yeah. Um, give me some. Beating the Suns. God, the Suns. you ugly. Give me some. You also rely right? on Chris Paul to make it three, four straight playoff rounds. Give me, give me the Suns. Okay, fine. Go on, Aaron. Just, just hit me with it. 
It's the Bucks. They're winning the title. I don't even want to answer this Western question. Um, God, because the Kings right now. Yep. No, 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 no. Oh. I'm not saying the Kings. <laughs> Just wait, wait for me to analyze this. Damn the it. Kings are being undervalued right now. Like they're uh, right now. If you look at the Western Conference futures, they are eighth best in odds, and they're the second seed as it stands right now. They are plus two thousand two hundred to win the Western Conference. Wow. That is crazy. They should win their first seat, first round. I'm re- really worried if they play uh, the Warriors. It would be a tough series if they played the Thunder even, but like their home court's great. I just think this is very similar to what we saw with the Suns two years ago when they were that second seed and the Lakers played them. Everybody was out on the Suns. The Lakers were actually favored in that series and they were the seventh seed. We're going to see something very similar with the Kings. So I think they're being undervalued, but I don't like them to get all the way through the West. Um, and for that reason, I will take the Nuggets. Uh, I'm not ready to bet on the Suns right now, even though I think a healthy Suns team at that point is a really big issue for us. Um, and the rest of that conference is just a mess. So I think it's really either the Suns or the the Nuggets, even though I do think the Kings deserve a, a spot in the discussion. Uh, the other thing is we might see a, for a first time in a long time, a team from a conference that's below the three seed make the playoffs or make the finals. Sorry. Make the playoffs. <laughs> make, the, make the finals. That happens every year. <laughs> oh, really? No way. I mean, the Heat Thank did you. it in 2020, but they lost to the Lakers. We haven't seen a team. We, the only time we've ever seen a team below the three seed win the finals was the uh, Hakeem Rockets when they beat the Knicks. It's the only time that's ever happened. And the Western win the Conference. Finals, you said? Yeah, win the finals. Below the three? Below a three seed. That's the only time that's ever happened. And so we've seen wow. a bunch of teams make the finals below the three seed, but the only time it's ever happened is that Rockets team. And so that Western Conference is screaming for that to happen this year. For some reason, that with how crazy it is, I could see a team below that three seed making the finals for that Western Conference too, which the Suns would fit that mold. So we'll see if that actually, actually like ends it. up happening. Um, like Evan, thank you for coming on, man. Appreciate Thanks you talking with me. the Thunder uh, and talking all NBA. Aaron, a blessing and always to see you. Um, um, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, this is an extra long one, but we got to talk about all three of our favorite teams and how much I'm worried about the Celtics future. Uh, but you can follow us on Twitter at Hooper's Almanac. Uh, you can listen to this on Spotify because that's the only place it ever is posted. Um, and then, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, go Celtics, go Nuggets, go Thunder, cha-ching, Thunder Moneyball. Um, and, and have a great rest of your week, guys.